I just want to introduce uh, our guest speaker today, Todd and Alex Wagner. Uh, Todd is a senior pastor here at Watermark, and I've been blessed to uh, walk with them for the past 20 years. I met them 20 years ago when our girls, Allie and Sally, um, were about a year old. Uh, so I've had the privilege of really getting to know them, and, and Todd and Alex have both. Uh, anybody that knows Alex and her sweet spirit, um, she's encouraged me so much, and so I know you're going to be encouraged today, and I'm so encouraged by every one of you ladies that are here. Um, uh, during the event, though, I wanted to just remind you, you can text in questions. They're going to put a phone number up here. It's 408-475-6378, and that'll be the nest. And so if you have a question that you really want answered, just text it in. Somebody, if we don't answer it today, I'm sure somebody will give you a call and just walk you through that. But I mean, at my table, everybody was talking about discipline, and I think that's on the heart of everybody that has young kids. We want to do the best job at pointing our kids to Christ. So hopefully, I heard a good quote this week, and it said, if you throw the rope before you make a knot, you're not going to catch the cow. So I hope Todd and Alex can teach us how to tie a knot. There's a lot of men here, so that's a good thing. So Todd and Alex and Kirby. All right. Well, this will be fun. You need to know something that me saying yes to this was because I thought my wife would want to do this because her friends asked her. Nothing causes as much stress in our relationship as me saying yes to doing something that involves her speaking or being before you. So you're welcome. I just want to tell you, <laughs> I, uh, this has not been fun for her. Because she doesn't understand um, how much she has to give her. She does understand, but it's just hard. I mean, I do this all the time. And whenever we do this, I tell her, we used to watch Seinfeld some, right? Yes. All the clean episodes. And uh, <laughs> both of them. We love those two. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a scene in one of them where, where Jerry's starting the whole thing off by talking about how uh, the number one fear that people have is speaking in public. And the number two fear is death. <laughs> Which means that... A lot of folks, when they go to a funeral, right, they're going, I'd rather be that guy than the guy eulogizing that guy. And uh, I will just say this. I don't know if that's real or not. It is in my wife's case. Well, I just have to say, I've grown a lot because yesterday, Kathy McJunkin told me she was going to come, but she was going to miss the nest today because of a colonoscopy. And I said, I think I'd rather be at the nest than having colonoscopy. <laughs> The thing is, they put you asleep, though, for a colonoscopy, so she would like to be anesthetized. This is my daughter, Kirby, and uh, I, she, she texted me last night, I'm coming home, and I thought, you're speaking tomorrow. <laughs> so here she is, and she's so willing. Kirby is, uh, Kirby is here to kind of hit the, eh, that is not true. You beat the crap out of us button, all right? And you did that wrong. Don't make yourself look better than you are. So uh, she's, she is here really just to kind of say, hey, she's lived through our effort to do what we're going to talk about with you uh, today. And also to share just from her perspective. And man, what an amazing privilege this is to be up here uh, with Curve. So I love you, Kirby. And I love your giftedness and your readiness to do something just like this. So this is awesome. This is really great. We do love being with you guys and it's encouraging now, for you guys to be here, um, take time off work, or to even, if you had the ability to be here, to choose to be here with your wives, blesses me as a guy that wants to be around uh, people that are hungry and desire to uh, be encouraged and to learn and to be excellent at what they do. And so one of the ways we get excellent is just by clothing ourselves in humility. 
and just going, okay, maybe there's something in this tithe of two hours that's going to be helpful to me as a dad, as a couple, as a mom. And so um, we want to dive in. We're going to just dive in by having a little fun, though, because I love, this is one of my favorite things about parenting. And then we'll read you uh, some sobriety things, you know, some things that just soberly prepare us for why we're doing this. But let me just start by telling you, we did. We had five kids in seven years. The Lord kind of didn't allow us at that time to have more children. We never set out to have a big family. We had a kid. We thought that was fun. Let's have another kid. We kept saying, Lord, if you'll let us care for him and provide him, we think we can love him. And so let's just have another. And next thing you know, we looked up and we had five kids in seven years. Um, And then God kind of shut that off. And then we lost one in a little bit. And then in four years, we had another one. So as Millie said, we have six kids, 21 to 11. Our oldest is a senior in college. But we want to start this by saying we can relate to you, okay? And uh, we've been through uh, all the, the stuff that you guys are in the middle of, especially if you're here with zero to three to four-year-olds. I can remember when we had five kids under seven. You, you, well, I don't know if you can remember or not, but you were alive then. <laughs> I do remember. Uh, although I'm going to tell you the best news I have for you all day is that when I asked my kids um, what if they could remember any examples of the discipline that we put into their little lives at that age, I couldn't. They didn't give me anything. They all said they couldn't remember any discipline. I was like, that is a beautiful gift. <laughs> so we have plenty of discipline uh, stories to tell from uh, maybe a little bit older to currently. We are overwhelmed with discipline stories at this age. Um, But anyhow, so that's the best news I can tell you is that um, this is not going to scar them and and damage their little person that they are. Yeah, what's going to scar them is if you don't discipline them. In fact, what the Bible says is you're going to send them to hell. And and, and that doesn't mean literally post-grave. It just means you're going to usher them into a life that's very unpleasant if discipline is not a part of what you do. Let me just start by saying this before I read something fun. Everybody immediately when they think of discipline, they think of corporal discipline. Do I spank or do I not spank? And that is a real error. Spanking is one form of discipline. It is not the discipline question. It is when do I spank? How do I spank? How do I make that a form of the discipline? And so if you choose in a moment to not discipline with corporal, corporal meaning bodily, punishment that doesn't mean you don't discipline okay and uh what you'll find out is how you discipline how you use the different forms when you use them takes some real discernment and so that's what we're here to talk about but let's start by having a little bit of fun as i said we can relate here's a picture uh early on where we just were downstairs one day and this kid showed up just and i we put that little balloon on him but you know there's Cade. i don't know how old he was at that time but he came down he was still in diapers with uh, a diaper on his head, no diaper on his bottom. I think he had used the one on his bottom, and he was like, hey, I could use a little help right here. And so that picture just cracked, totally cracked this up. So while he was waiting to be changed with a diaper on his head, we just took that picture as a reminder of kind of the chaos. There was five other kids at the time around him doing things, and there was a kid like, hey, I could use a little help right here, all right? (laughs) So we know it, but here, here's this funny thing. It's called the, this is how to know if, whether or not you're ready to be uh, a parent, ready to have children. The first thing is called the mess test. So what you want to do is just smear peanut butter on the sofa and curtains, put a fish stick behind the couch, and leave it there all summer. If it doesn't bother you, you're ready for kids. The toy test. Obtain a 55-gallon box of Legos. If Legos aren't available, roof tax will do just fine. 
have a friend spread them all over your house, put a blindfold on, try to walk to the bathroom or the kitchen, do not scream, because that'll wake up the kids. Grocery store test. Borrow one or two small animals. Goats are best. Take them with you as you shop at the grocery store. Always keep them in sight and pay for anything they eat or damage. Dressing test. Obtain one large, unhappy, live octopus. Stuff into a small net bag and make sure all the arms stay inside the entire time. Feeding test. Obtain a large plastic milk jug. Fill halfway with water. Suspend from the ceiling with a stout cord. Start the jug swinging. Try to insert spoonfuls of soggy cereal into the mouth of the jug while pretending to be an airplane. Now dump the contents of the jug on the floor. Night test. Prepare by obtaining a small cloth bag filled with 8 to 12 pounds of sand. Soak it thoroughly in water. At 8 p.m., begin to waltz to hum and hum with the bag until 9 p.m. Lay down your bag and set your alarm for 10 p.m. Get up, pick up your bag, sing every song you've ever heard, make up a dozen more, sing until about 4 a.m., set the alarm for 5, get up, make breakfast, and do this for five years and look cheerful. And then you're ready for kids. (laughs) I like this one. I'll let you read this one, sweetie. Read the physical test for women. Okay. Obtain a large beanbag chair and attach it to the front of your clothes. Leave it there for nine months. Now remove ten of the beans. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) You took out like 30, seriously. It really was awesome. Don't let that discourage you. Uh, All right. Uh, Here's the physical test for men. Go to the nearest drugstore, set your wallet on the counter, ask the clerk to help himself. Now go to the nearest food store. Go to the head office, arrange for your paycheck to be directly deposited there. Buy a newspaper, go home and read it quietly for the last time for 18 years. So listen, I read that because that stuff, it's just kind of funny when you go through some of the extremes. I just always, when I read that, I giggle. And uh, you might feel like that. You're like, is this ever going to slow down? And the answer is, not only is it going to slow down, it's going to fly by. You will not believe. No one could have told me how precious ever Every day was going to be, and I could have to believe it more. I mean, I was thoroughly convinced that every day was a gift. And God gave us, you know, six little arrows in our quiver. That, that one, it looks like camp is, how old is that baby? 11 months old? Yeah, he's pro- he is probably, so, and he, I think he's younger than that. Okay. He's maybe nine months. So, you know, that puts Allie, you know, right at 11. And, uh, you know, if you look there, that's just the rest of them. So that one on the top left... <laughs> Right? What did I just say? I don't even know. That's just the rest. That's of the rest of them. Uh, you see, sweet, sweet little Kirby there in the middle is Landry. She's so Landry's a sophomore in high school now. Uh, Cooper on the far right is a senior in high school. Cade is a freshman. Camp's in fifth grade, and, and Kirby is here as a sophomore at Texas A and M. Allie, <laughs> Allie, uh, she couldn't get into a community college either. So I appreciate you guys encouraging. Uh, so uh, there's Allie. Uh, you know, um, probably about three, we think, two, two-ish, three. And uh, here's Allie today, uh, as of two weeks ago. She just got engaged. And, uh, and so what I want to share with you is I cherished every day, and there were some days that the beanbag test, the octopus test, the Lego test, I mean, it was all going on, and in a blink of an eye, we survived. We made it through all those nights. We didn't kill any of our children. And, um, and it's, it's, it's now, I'm done. I mean, my stewardship with that child, you know, is over. That's now another man's responsibility. And it could not have gone quicker. And so what I'm going to tell you is that parenting is filled with incredibly long days and incredibly quick years. 
And we know the days are long, and that's why we need to make sure we encourage each other day after day. Because what some people do is they just bank on the years, and they're going to get to it a little bit later. Because we're talking about zero to three-year-olds, what I want to tell you is that um, the way that you make 13 to 18 a joy is to go really hard zero to five. And by hard, I mean being fully present. The truth is, when kids are little, they can't go anywhere unless you take them or you let them. And if what you'll do, and what too many people do, is they're not intentional at that age because they don't have to be, they just got to keep them alive. And they're largely distant from those children at that age, especially um, dads have a tendency to do this. And then all of a sudden, those little children that are not used to being shepherded and cared for and loved by you, when they get old enough to be independent, and that starts to get them in trouble because they need wisdom and supervision they've always needed it but because they've learned to live without that when you start to show up and say i'm your father they're like i've learned to live without a father i've learned to live without supervision you know you bought me off with the you convinced me that you were doing this for the family and so we could have nice things well i've learned to live without you and there's uh, let me just tell you, even if you've made that mistake, the kid still wants you to fight your way back into their heart, but you're going to have to fight your way back into the heart. It's hard enough when you've got a great relationship to discipline teenagers. Why am I talking about teenagers? I thought we were talking about zero to four-year-old. I am because everybody talks about the, the terrible teens, and I'm going to tell you what makes the terrible teens really terrible, and that is to not do your job right here, right now, and to be fully present that is the number one thing i always tell folks in parenting you must be present to win and so you cannot invest enough in your kids Uh, i am sure i've made a plethora of parenting mistakes that is not one that i've made okay i've been really there and available and by the grace of god my wife uh, has even been even more so so I want to just let you, you want to read that thing or not, sweetie? So this is another way just to kind of get you in. There's two things I want to read before we start because what you really need is encouragement. I don't think we're going to give you any great insight if you're here, seven quick steps to guarantee parenting success. I don't have them. This is sloppy, inexact business. But I'm going to give you some biblical principles this morning, okay? Uh, but what you need to know is I know you need encouragement to not grow weary in doing good. Because in due time, you will reap if you don't grow weary. Um, so I didn't expect to feel so emotional when Todd was talking about, you know, the time fleeting. And then when he showed the picture of Allie. <laughs> and he, I thought a guy had enough time here to recover, but I guess not because I, I know what I'm about to read. And um, so just this little story talks about how time is fleeting as well. Um, come and dry, uh, comb and dry, comb and dry. Soon I won't be able to do this anymore, you say to yourself, knowing that the little straight bob must inevitably yield to grown-up hairdos and ugly curlers. What will she be like at 14? Where will her hair be blowing then at 16 and 18? Do you suppose boys would love to watch her hair blow as you do now? And some of them will feel it on their faces, and one of them will marry her, and her hair will be spread under a veil and then spread out on his pillow. And oh, you hate him a little, and you wonder where he is at the moment, whether he'll be good to her. They will grow old together. And the golden brown hair will be gray, and you will be gone, and then she will be gone. 
this very hair that now your fingers smooth, and all the tears of the world swim for a second in your eyes. As you snatch the plug out of the socket suddenly and gather her into your arms. <laughs> all right. That's perfect. It's exactly what we said you should do at 1038, because you've got to you think you're authentic now. It's great. Awesome. <laughs> Burying your face into her warm hair as if you could steal this moment against all time. But of course we can't. Only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. Because what you need to see, listen, this was one time a mom who felt just like you, exhausted, not sure if she could make it another day. And, uh, and, and oh Lord, what have we done? And, and here she is. That story is her now. That little tangled hair that she combs is under a veil and it is a vapor okay and so you have to seize the day and do not grow weary in doing good for in due time you will reap if you don't grow weary it is a joy i gotta tell you my because of the grace of god but i want to say the grace of god has not just showed up in that god did some amazing work Separate and apart from me. God does do that. But if your parenting plan is the grace of God is going to show up later, good luck. Because what the Bible says is typically you reap what you sow. And when I talk about the grace of God, I mean my wife and I, by God's kindness, God grabbed our heart before our kids were born. And we were convinced we needed him in everything we did. And so we have done our best to be attentive to him and to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him. And, and, and this, is what God has, this is what God's brought us. All right, A little girl like this that is such a joy to me. Then I want to tell you, when I, I took Kirby to a and I'll never forget this. I shared this on Sunday morning. It was not after that. It was, um, you know, I should have done this. I've got in my car video of both my girls when they drove off to college. I just sat there and I filmed it. And I, I should have... I made a note. That's what I should have showed. Mm-hmm. How quickly it goes. That loading up my little car, and there goes 18 years of investment. And I, I can remember, you know, too, with Kirby, when I was driving her down, I, I, I sat down because God gave me little girls and little boys. And so I knew that God wanted me to raise godly men and godly women. So we sat down and we, we asked ourselves, what, what's a godly man look like? What's a godly woman look like? And, and then we tried to teach him that. And Kirby, you know, I, I, I'd given him kind of the definition, and I'd given him the, the uh, well, the, the, kind of the placeholders and then a the definition for each one and then verses that go under each one. There was probably about 50, 60 verses, Curbs. And so one of the last things we did in that last little drive from where we were on 45 over to College Station is I jumped in her car and I just wanted to go over some stuff one more time. She goes, well, why go over it? Do you want me to quote it to you? And for about, I don't know how long it was, 20 minutes, she started at the top of that sheet. She goes, a godly woman is... What's the first characteristic? Remember? Seek God first. Yeah. And the definition of that was? Reject the lie that anything or anyone else can satisfy you. And then we had verses underneath that. She shared about five or six, seven or eight verses that talk about that truth. And then we went to the second one. And I was, listen, I knew she knew it. I didn't know she could just, better than me, spit it back out. Now that happened because God got a hold of her heart, but it also happened because we were intentional. And I want to tell you that the blessing of that intentionality started not when I panicked, because it was August and she was 18. It started right where you're at. And by the kindness of God, he gave her a heart that was receptive, and that's what it produced. And so what I get from College Station are story after story 
of this little girl being faithful. Kirby, you want to say anything right here? Um, yeah, I'd love to. Something that going to college has made me exceedingly aware of, almost painfully, is how unique my story is. Um, and we talk about this a lot, just how the most, one of the most powerful testimonies is one of a um, person who was raised in a home like I was. And, um, and all of it obviously goes back to the grace of the Lord being extremely present in my life and in theirs first. Um, but just my story is that I was spared so much pain growing up because I had a dad that told me I was beautiful and not because I looked a certain way, but because that's uh, who God made me and um, being made in his image, that was beautiful. And I believed that. And then um, was told that I didn't need a guy to um, validate me and I didn't need to look for my satisfaction in anything but my relationship with Christ. And again, by the grace of the Lord, I believed it. And um, I didn't know that that was as rare as it is. And um, going to school and talking about my parents and really having the relationship that I do with you guys and how much I value my family is so different. Um, And there's girls that were raised in homes where church was a thing that was done on Sundays and they prayed before meals and maybe even had some level of discipline. Um, But my story is really unique, and I'm so grateful. And being in college and being away has made me even more thankful and more aware of how unique it is. Um, But really, my story is a product of how faithful and obedient y'all were to Christ and investing in me. And that's, I mean, I couldn't be more grateful because I've been spared so much pain. And I don't feel like I missed out on anything Now, we were blessed to be a part of a community of faith that supplemented that effort. Okay, Watermark blessed our socks off as parents. But Watermark didn't create that. What created that was the grace of God working in the primary education, redeeming, reminding, training center that God intends for kids to have. And that was a mother and a father whose heart he had captured. And so, man, I'll tell you, we are blessed to have this kind of stuff to have what's around, what, what this building represents in terms of investing in your children. But it was a supplement. And if your plan is church will take care of it, God's grace will show up, it might. But what you're doing is you're choking off the major artery that God intends to circulate through your child. I'm going to read one more because that we just will set us up for this. Because, dads, this one, I, I think I, I, I've done okay, but this one still made me go, man. Listen, son. I'm saying this as you lie asleep. One little hand crumpled under your cheek and the red curls stickily wet on your damp forehead. I've stolen into your room alone. Just just a few minutes ago, as I sat reading my paper in the library, a, a sifting wave of remorse swept over me. Guilty, I was driven to your bedside. These are the things I was thinking, son. I've been cross to you. I scolded you as you were dressing for school this morning because you gave me your face a mere dab with a towel. I took you to task for not cleaning your shoes. I called out angrily when you threw some of your things on the floor. At breakfast, I found fault in you again. You spilled things. You gulped down your food. You put your elbows on the table. You spread butter too thick on your bread. And as you started off the play, and I made for my train, you turned and waved a hand and called, Goodbye, Daddy. And I frowned and said in reply, Hold your shoulders back. Then it began all over again late in the afternoon as I came home. I spied you down on your knees, playing in the street marbles with your friends. This was written by a guy in the 50s. 
There were holes in your stockings. I humiliated you before your friends by marching you ahead of me to the house. Stockings are expensive. And if you had to buy them, you would be more careful. Imagine that, son, from your father. Do you remember late, later when I was reading in the library how you came in timidly with a sort of hurt look in your eyes? And I glanced up over my paper, impatient at the interruption. You hesitated at the door. What, what is it you want? I snapped. You said nothing, but ran across and one tempestuous plunge. You threw your arms around my neck and you kissed me. Your small arms tightened with affection that God had set blooming in your heart and which even neglect could not wither. And, when, and then you were gone, pattering up the stairs. Well, son, it was shortly after that that my paper slipped from my hands and a terrible, sickening fear came over me. What has habit been doing to me? The habit of finding fault, of reprimanding. This was my reward to you for being a boy? I expected too much of you. I was measuring you by the yardstick of my own years. And there is so much that is good in you and fine in your character. The little heart of yours is the biggest dawn itself over the wide hills. This was shown by your spontaneous impulse to rush in and kiss me goodnight. Nothing else matters tonight, son. I've come to your bedside in the darkness. I've knelt here ashamed. It's a feeble atonement. I know you would not understand these things if I told them to you during your waking hours, but tomorrow I'm going to be your daddy. I will chum with you. I will suffer when you suffer. I'll laugh when you laugh. I'll bite my tongue when impatient words are ready to come. And I will keep saying as if it were a ritual, you're my boy, my little boy, and I love you. Okay, now that's good. And that guy, I wrote that, you know, a guy named Arthur, uh, a guy named Livingston, uh, I just, I read that, and I go, I mean, I, I did the best I could, and I still had moments just like that. Just like that. My, my freshman in high school still says, Dad, come in and, and, and say goodnight. Come pray for me. And sometimes I'd like to, just after a long day, you know, I mean, last night, I left the house yesterday morning at like 5.30. It was an unusual day, and, 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 um, and I didn't see my kids at all. He, you know, and I, I did this thing away from our house. I got home 8.30, 9 o'clock. And I hadn't eaten. I had missed lunch. I hadn't eaten. And I wanted to eat. And, uh, and I was just going to chill. I told my wife, we're going to watch you know, just maybe a little bit of the cowboy game. And uh, I, I, I did some of that. You know, I mean, I didn't bark at any of them, but I just wasn't fully present. Just because I was like, hey, man, I, I've been going hard for now four, 19 hours. And, uh, and I just go, you know what, man? I, I gave away a little bit last night. A little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. And you're going to regret everything you give away. Just mark my word. Every little bit. All right. Go. So when, I, when, I, when we dropped our kids off at college, Todd said he mentioned um, mm. videotaping them driving away. And I thought that would be a really emotional time when we either took them to their dorm or um, you know, left them in some way. But um, what hit me the most was... So I think we took him on a Saturday, and then Monday, following that, we came back, and I was taking my other kids to the elementary schools in the neighborhood and the middle school and what have you, and I, went, I drove past the park where we always took our kids to swing and play, and that's when I go, um, did I go to the park enough? Did I swing with them enough? <laughs> um, but my point in saying that is that's right where you guys are, and so... This has turned into a therapy session for us. <laughs> You know, we're looking back now, and you guys are starting, and you still, I mean, it's just, this is a great time for you, 
um, and just with the age that your kids are, you haven't missed any opportunity to do the right thing with them. Okay, that's why we've wasted now probably right at 15 minutes. I don't want to waste because I know what it's like to be where you are, and I'm telling you, if we're doing our job, when you leave here, you're going to want to go get your kid out of school and take him to lunch. And you're going to love them. And you're not going to be upset when they spill their drink. And I'm going to say, what a privilege to be the person who's here when you spill your drink. When they're 21 and spill their drink. <laughs> Kirby's got a nickname. Tell them what your nickname is. Um, it's Stain. Stain. And <laughs> that's, when, that's when you can go, what, what in the world? What are you doing? <laughs> okay. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, but that's what I, I want. And I want you to realize every tender moment. And I want you to understand. Listen to me on this. You will not do this the way you want to do this if you don't understand how much you need Jesus. You just won't. And so I'm going to give you four quick things, and we're going to get very practical now, okay? I'm going to to dump scripture on you. All my stuff I'll give to them, and they can email it out to all of you that register, however they do that, so don't take furious notes. Anything that we put up here, you'll have, but uh, except for these four things, you can write these down because they're simple. Number one, have a plan. You've got, you've got to have a plan. This is not going to be a deal that just happens by chance. Because what you'll do is, is you'll let it drift. And the tyranny of the urgent will overtake the most important thing in your life, which is to train up a child in the, in, uh, in the way of godliness. And so do something. Okay? The, the people that, that are the most successful in life start simply but they simply start. And so I, I, I did. I, I sat down, and I'm embarrassed how much time, how little time I took to write down what a god, godly man was and a godly woman was. And, and you can go, those with all the hyperlinks and all the verses, you can go to wordsfromwags.com, and you can just go in how to be a godly man, how to be a godly woman, and you've got all that already there in a PDF with hyperlinks to it. And I would only encourage you to go there as a, idea as a template you can do better than i did but but i'm just telling you do something because your job and this is part of the plan your plan should not be to be impressive parents who have kids that behave that is not your charge your charge is not to be somebody who can walk your goats to the grocery store and not have them knock over a jar of pickles your jar your job <laughs> your job is to raise healthy God-fearing disciples. And that is a process. And you're not supposed to look like the perfect parent in that moment, meaning your kids don't make mistakes. It means when your kids make mistakes, you take that as an opportunity to say, let's learn from this. So you guys have got to have a plan. Okay? Secondly, you know, you've got to have a presence so you can execute it. That means you need to order your life. You will never regret. I've got other stuff I could read right here. I don't need to. I think I've made my point. You've got to be present. You've got to order your life right now. You've got to make less money, live in a smaller house, be less famous, less promoted. Because I'm going to tell you that no amount of success in the workplace will ever make up for the hole that's in your heart. It's a fact that no man ever rises above the opinion of his children. And no amount of success outside of the home will ever feel the emptiness in the home. That starts here, by the way. Okay? And, and, and if you're, I want to just regress a little bit and just say that if part of your plan is not to have a great marriage, you will not be a great parent. 
And God's design, all right? Now, listen, single moms, if you're out there, he is the God of the fatherless. I talked last night to a young man whose father died when he was 10. And that mother said this to him. said, listen, I am not a mother and a father. I am your mother. I don't know why the way that God ordered your life was to remove your father from your physical presence when he was 10. But I'm not going to be your daddy. I am your mother. And God is your father. And his grace is enough. And so I share that with you. All right? And we've got a great single parent ministry and uh, other things that are here. But listen, I'm talking to you that are alive. And I'm talking to you that are still inside that covenant relationship. You will not be a good dad if you are not a good husband. The thing that gives, I think, Kirby, you guys more security than anything, I mean, you, you speak to this, about our relationship and how that um, is the key to bringing security and peace in the home, okay? And, and letting you just go, okay, I got a daddy there who does this, I got a mom in there who does this, and together they shepherd me well, and they do it as one. Alex doesn't get her needs met by Kirby liking her more than me. I don't get my needs met by being the fun dad and let mom do something else. When we discipline, we do it together. Because these are our children. So uh, have a plan. Have a presence. Be a parent. And this is going to start to get into the discipline piece. Okay? So be a parent, which means your goal is not to be a friend. Um, there, there's this little thing that I will read to you because it's, it's really excellent. It just talks about this in a very short way. And I really like it. It's a deal I use a lot. It's a letter. It says, Dear son, as long as you live in this house, you'll follow the rules. When you have your own house, you can make your own rules. In this house, we don't have a democracy. I didn't campaign to be your father. You didn't vote for me. We are father and son, and by the grace of God, I accept that privilege and awesome responsibility. In accepting it, I have an obligation to perform the role of a father. I am not your pal. Our ages are way too different. We can share many things, but we are not pals. I am your father. This is 100 times more than what a pal is. I'm also your friend. But we are on entirely different levels. You will do in this house, as I say, and you cannot question me because whatever I ask you to do is motivated by love. This will be hard for you to understand until you have a son of your own. But until then, trust me. I am your father. So be a parent. This is not your chance to be homecoming queen. This is not your chance to get along with all your girlfriends that are 13. You can do that if you want, and your kids will pay a tremendous price. One of the problems we've got is we do have men that have never grown up that are living out what they couldn't do through their sons, and moms that were never popular that are trying to be popular with their daughters and their daughter's friends in the way they dress, in their morality, in the things they watch, in the things they ingest, in the way they fight for affections, and that will hurt your child be a parent and then it gets to the last one which is just the way to do all the above is be a passionate follower of christ there's nothing that you will do that will help your kids more that will allow you to be the spouse you want to be that doesn't start with that proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all your heart he knows how to raise a child he knows how to discipline children and i've said nothing profound but i've said everything you need to know so with that, we can be pretty specific. I want to start with a verse that shows up 
in uh, Hosea chapter 4, and it's uh, uh, verse 6. I don't even think I gave that one to you guys. But Hosea 4, 6 is a, is a warning passage. And it's a passage that really, um, it, it talks about what God says, okay? And he says, this is the problem with what's going on. It, it says in Hosea 4, 6, my people have been destroyed for a lack of knowledge. In other words, they don't know what to do. And it says, because you've rejected knowledge, in other words, because you, as people, have rejected knowledge, I'm going to reject you from being my priest. And if you pay attention to Scripture, every dad is the priest of their home. Every mother is the priestess in their home. And so uh, he says, because you've rejected knowledge, and where do you get knowledge? From the Word of God. I will reject you from being my priest. Now watch this. Since you've forgotten the law of your God, this is a promise. Uh, let's just read what God's going to do if you forget him together. I also will forget your children. And I just want to offer to you this. What you're seeing happening in America today is a fulfillment of that specific prophet's voice. We have parents that have not pursued God with all their heart. They've not been passionate followers of Christ. They don't know what knowledge is. They do what seems right to them, whether they follow Freud or Skinner or somebody else, and they don't look to God's word as the primary means through which they can be encouraged. And as a result of that, they don't have a clue what they're doing. They try and find significance and meaning by being a friend of their child, by being a pal of their child, or by being a success out in the world, whether a failure at home. And those kids are getting angry, they are lost, and they are murderous to themselves and to others. Some of you all are literate people, and so at some point in your life, you have read uh, a book by um, William Golding, right? He wrote that book in 1954. It's called Lord of the Flies. Anybody know that story? It's about a group of boys that are put on an island. And, and the guy that wrote that, William Golding, had a utopian worldview. He believed that the problem that was in society was because society was led by um, maybe zealots who were just a little bit too puritanical or ordered or uptight and, and, and just had this mindset of if we just left man alone without some of the... The, the fools that were leading us, we would, we would have a great world. People know how to get along. We screw people up here. We got to let kids be kids. And then he, he watched World War II go down. And he realized the problem was not with, uh, with structures that were out there. There was no utopia that was coming. The problem was with man. And so he wrote a book about a bunch of British boys that go to an island, ages 5 to 12, and they form a society... And they, they, they form it initially based on British law. But what happens is children who do not have um, moral direction from older, wiser adults that have rebelled against ordered liberty and against the rule of law, things that are right and true, there is all of a sudden a schism that starts and then death happens and war happens and destruction comes to that island. And it was his statement, I was wrong. Kids need shepherding. Humans need shepherding. That's Lord of the Flies. And that is who you are. And when we reject the knowledge that God gives us and forsake God's calling, um, God, God doesn't mean, God doesn't punish us. He just lets us reap what we have sown. And if you sow disorder and worldly knowledge into a child, that means you've forgotten real knowledge. So um, it's worth just reading Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Okay, I mean, 
again, you're kind of like, are you kidding me? You're going to waste time reading Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, talking about discipline? Yeah. So God reaching out to his people, man, here, I'm, I'm God. There is no other God. You've got to love me with all your heart. These words I'm commanding you, parent, should be on your heart. Teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Kirby, how many organized family devotionals did we have where we all sat down, opened our Bibles, younger ones got their children's Bibles, and we all sat in a nice circle, and I led a family devotional. How many can you remember? Where we sat in a nice circle? or Yeah, where we did, where we did, where we did devotionals as a family oh. in an ordered way because it was Friday at 7 in the morning or... Or, or Saturday evening, or Tuesday night, around the dinner table, how many formal family devotionals were you a part of? None. Okay. Probably five. <laughs> a lot of unordered ones. What's that? We did unordered, where they wouldn't be perfect circles and... Well, yeah, but no, no. But what I'm saying is you're... She's, what I'm, did you, that was the right answer. Because it wasn't a scheduled event in our family. And if you look up here, listen, there's a time. I'm not against those. We, we did do some. And frankly, there were usually a time when I was, you know, like, hey, come on, come on. Hey, okay, stop that. Quit hitting your brother. Landry, we're, no, that's, can you not even find where we are? Come on. Hey, guys, what, you got to the bathroom? All right, come on. All right, and so eventually, we sat down and I talked about grace and kindness. <laughs> and I lost my church, right, because I had you know, berated them and done everything you shouldn't do when you're leading people. But we had our devotion. And so, you know, we, there was not a lot of formal devotions in our house. Now look at There was planning. And there was intentionality. What all I'm saying is, is this is what it says, is you should do it all the time. On the way to school, we'd read God's word. We'd, not, not, not a formal study where we'd stop and get your Bible open and, you know, put a triangle around God. Okay, good circle, Jesus. All right, but we talked about him all the time, and that's what Proverbs is, uh, Deuteronomy is telling you that you should do. Is it's not a part of your life; it is every bit of your life. And the best teaching we got was when we were along the way, right? Curbs. I mean, mm-hmm. everything was an opportunity. Or what's God's word say about that? What could we have done differently? How could we have spared ourselves from this moment? And by the way, you're going to find out that one of the principles of discipline is, is that one of the worst things that parents do is they save their child from the consequences of not walking in the way of God. And so they don't learn that disobeying God is a big deal. That's going to be one of the points we give you in just a moment. So bottom line, it's the job of a parent to, to just teach kids this, that they're loved by God. That they are loved by you. You're teaching them the, the beauty of this, the first and greatest commandment. And that they are under your God-given authority. And if they will humble themselves underneath the God who loves them, the dad and mom who love them, and the authority that God has put over them, that it will go well with them. And so... All the time. You want to go, hey, how's this feel? Not very good. Okay. Remember this. God doesn't want, I didn't want you to experience this. But I love you enough to let you now experience it. Now look, you, you, you don't, that doesn't mean you let them jump off roofs, obviously. Play in the street, obviously. Play with fire, obviously. But you do have to let children at certain points 
be guided. You want to dive in or you want to, uh, at all? Just interrupt me whenever. I'll just keep moving. We will. All right. So um, here comes some points. Are you ready? Number one. And again, you'll have these. Feel free to write them down. I'll try and move quickly because this is all there. Nothing, I don't think, too profound, but I just wrote down some basic discipline ideas, and then we'll, we'll get very specific about how you do it. A good parent knows the difference between foolishness, which requires discipline, and childishness, which requires instruction. There's a big difference between a child who just doesn't know, and you don't treat that child who doesn't know the same way you treat a child that knows and is rebellious. By the way, this starts very early. Earlier than you think, foolishness comes out because kids will test you. And, and they, 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 right around one year of age or younger, they start to know that the way they behave elicits a response. It starts with the way they cry to get fed. It starts with the way they cry for attention. And, uh, you know, you got to let them know that they are not king. And because they want to throw a fit in the grocery store, it doesn't mean that mommy's going to stop shopping or that mom's going to get them a lollipop so that they can keep shopping. Sometimes you may have to go back. And you've got to let them know, okay, early on, and I'm not talking now about 10, but I'm talking about this cognitive response at this point, hey, I'm going to ask you one more time. And then we're going to leave this store and, and, and we're going to experience a consequence to this. And so... Um, but understand the difference between childishness and foolishness. A good parent understands that. Um, parents are the number one disciples. I've already covered that. Understand this, that boys will be boys and girls will be girls. And also understand that there's a broad spectrum of boys. And every child is different. I've got three boys and three girls. So we just wrote down how each of our kids were different. Every one of our kids has a bent, a, a default sin nature that they're expert at. The Greeks would call it an Achilles heel. And you got to learn what that Achilles heel is for each child. And because they're a boy, doesn't mean that all of them are going to struggle the same way. So Allie, we, we'd say what was kind of made her major when, 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 when she wasn't in the spirit, she struggled how? Uh, she struggled with self-awareness and a lack of humility. Yeah. And we saw that um, just the way she was gift, uh, her gifts um, fell out, I guess, um, she would be stubborn. She wouldn't listen. Yeah, Allie had what they called like a word-finding issue. Okay, so Allie is very, very smart. And so like instead of, if we say, um, hand me the, fu-, well, uh, she, she might pick this thing up and she'd go, hey, here's the call thingy. Or, um, or and, and we go, Allie, that's not what it's called. She goes, well, here's the telephone. It's not what it's called. Okay, here's the thing you you. Uh, the communication device, and she'll give me 17 different names before she'll say iPhone or cell phone, okay, which is not that big a deal. It's really brilliant. Her mind works very creatively. It really hurt her in tests because she knew the answer, but she'd go and she'd look and she'd say, I don't see my answer on the test, even though cell phone was there because she's looking for a communication device or something else. Well, how that showed up in our relationships is that she would sometimes hear herself say some things that seven other people did not hear her say, and we would just not be mad at her, but we'd just go, hey, Allie, that's not, that's not what you just said. And she would take all seven of us on and be absolutely certain that we were crazy and that we were mean. And she'd get emotional and moody and violent and whatever else she'd get, and she just wasn't aware. 
and a lack of humility that we go, this is going to hurt you. All right, but go ahead. Any comment yeah, on that? And so just so, as, especially when she was young and as she's matured and availed herself to Christ, she has, you know, definitely become much more aware and she's much more responsive when you um, bring something up to her that she needs, um, you know, just when you bring something to her attention, when she, uh, you say this might be something that you would con- should consider, um, she's much more responsive to that. Yeah. And um, it's, it's largely because of her maturing in Christ. But, but Allie had a self-awareness issue and a humility issue. Kirby, we laughed. Kirby was the very first verse I ever made you memorize. Um, Proverbs twenty one twenty three, which says, if you keep your mouth shut, you'll stay out of trouble. Yes. <laughs> Kirby? I might add that she and her dad are a lot alike. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she um, has been similarly cursed. And, and uh, she is the child of all of ours that is most like me. And, um, and so she is quick to respond. She always has something to say, and usually it's right. But learning when to say it, how to say it, was tough for her. And it, I, I'm, you know, I'm many decades ahead of her, and I know how hard it is. But that was it. We just go, Kirby. And so that, that's kind of hers. So hers was that, um, you know, what we, we just say, just self-control of her mouth. All right, Coop, we would just say it was self-discipline, right? right. He's a great kid. But self-discipline and his work ethic. His work ethic. He was just a really good young man, but never uh, worked hard to, to, to be a good steward of all that God gave him. Mm-hmm. And uh, was happy to just get by with all the gifts that he had as opposed to, and so with Cooper, the, the story I told him a lot was the parable of the talents. And I talked about what faithfulness looked like. And we're still trying to teach that to that young man. All right? Uh, Lands. <laughs> Landry, we didn't, um, I didn't put anything down She's got Landry. a dual major, right? Yeah, she's, <laughs> it was hard to really put words to Landry, yeah. honestly. Uh, it, it she's just, just, she's just sweet and she's, but she's a, she's a little bit um, uh, unaware. What well, we, well, we said, yeah, a lack of sobriety. And what we meant by that is not drunkenness, but just how it talks about how Jesus is sober-minded. Okay? And, and for Landry, she's a joy to be around. because She just e- loves to have fun oh, all the time. Yeah, and just getting through. her to really just get focused on something that matters. Right. This is chemistry. You don't just breeze through chemistry. Mm-hmm. There is this thing called the periodic table. And but there, she's a delight in the class. That's what we hear from the teacher. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's gonna. She's such a delight. I'd like to have her again next year, because well, you're, she's going to. So, but we kind of tease her. We're just like, hey, this is not a Hannah Montana world, Lance. And so we've teased her, and, and we've hurt her feelings and had to stop right. doing it a little bit. But we've just said, Landry, you can't just live out. We will, I, I don't care if you watch five episodes of Hannah Montana or fifty. You, you, that's not the way the world works. You you gotta just have a um, a sobriety about you, and it's a story. It becomes a stewardship issue and a work ethic as well. Anyway, and, and we're not telling her no fun. Right? No. We're no. not telling her that at all because we love fun. So anyway, I, you know what I'm trying to say here is every child has um, something. I've got some stuff that when my when I'm not in the spirit, I do and know that. Watch your child. And there's certain children you discipline one way, and certain children you discipline another way. Some kids you take things from them. Some things you impose on them. 
And you got to know what to do with each child because it worked with Allie doesn't mean it's going to work with Kirby. And so it takes discernment. Um, parenting um, must be committed. If you're going to be a great parent, you've got to be committed to this discipline if you're going to be a parent. And, and you might go, well, duh. But this is where just Hebrews 4, uh, 12, chap- chapter 12, verses 4 through 12 really show up. And, and, and the same thing shows up in uh, Proverbs 3. In fact, Hebrews quotes from Proverbs 3. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4 through 12, it just talks about the discipline that believing Jews were going through during the time of persecution. But it, it basically gets down uh, to verse 6. It says, For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. This is verse 6 of Hebrews 12. And he scourges every son whom he receives. It's for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? The answer is a son that doesn't have a loving father. But if you're without discipline, of which we've all become partakers, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. There's what I just said. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, or we should have. That's the expectation. We respected them, or that's the expectation. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father's spirits and live? For they, fathers again, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. Now he's talking about the discipline we go through in life, and he's saying God isn't doing his best. God is doing the best. And the way you're going to get closer to how God would discipline your son is to be closely synced up with God. But if you believe that you're a, child, a parent whose job is to coach and coddle and not discipline and develop, you will ruin your child. And you'll be without knowledge, and your kids are going to pay for it. And so I'm just going to tell you, discipline is part of parenting, and you've got to learn how to do it. I want to tell you this, too. Discipline is not for you. Discipline is for the child not the parent. This is exceedingly important. It's not an outlet for your anger. The the scriptures tell you that the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. I have disciplined my kids out of anger, okay? I have made a face that was angry and done this to my kids and squeezed in a way that's not hard. I have hit my kids really hard when we're jacking around playing, I mean like... And we're laughing, and I can't hurt them when we're playing. But if I go, stop it, and I don't really squeeze that hard, I mean, you'd have thought I'd just run a javelin through their heart. And it has nothing to do with the physical force. And they scream, and she yells, Todd! I'm like, I'm not doing anything yet! You know? (laughs) And I'm not here. Okay? And I'm doing more here than I probably think. But, but what's already happened is I've lost the right to love and discipline my child. Because what's happening in that moment is this is for me. This is about me. I'm frustrated. I'm bothered. And now I'm going to take it out on you. And that's not the way you discipline. Okay, that's the anger of man. And I've done it. I've done it a hundred times. And uh, at the same time, I, I have... Um, I, I, I will just tell you, when you discipline, listen to me, discipline is for the child. And if you are at a place, you know, we've all, this is the joke, right? This is going to hurt me, boy, it's going to hurt you! Right? But the truth is, when you're doing that, this is going to feel better for me than, you know, that's what we're going to say. And, and, but I, 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 can, I can really bring a memorable consequence to a child, and if I do it patiently and lovingly, with good instruction, when it's clear that I'm in the Spirit? Um, you'd be amazed. 
at how it goes. I'm going to give you a walk through how I did that with my kids at times. And, uh, and Kirby can talk to you about it. But uh, discipline's for the child, not the parent. It's not an outlet for your anger. Did you all hear me say that? I don't care if it doesn't leave a mark. It will leave an incredible mark if your discipline is done in anger. They may not remember what you did. They will just remember, my dad had an anger problem. My dad was a control freak. Everything was about my dad. Kirby, would you say there are moments in my life when that was um, true of me? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay? And so there are times I've been a foolish parent. And every time. Okay? And typically, what do I do when I've been a fool as a parent? I've gone back and done what? Made it right. By asking for forgiveness, acknowledging that, talking about the pain that that caused, asking them if they see, look, when your dad's not disciplined, when your dad isn't godly, it, it hurts others. And the same thing is going to be true of you. But, you know, I, 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 I set us back there. We, we didn't do a lot. Um... We didn't do everything right. Don't hear us. I mean, I think you hear Todd saying that. But what we are really good at is our family, we're all, we're professionals at asking for forgiveness. We've we've had to do a lot of asking for forgiveness from one another through the years. Yeah, I I usually say, my name's Todd. I'm sorry, will you forgive me, Wagner? This is Alex. Yes, I will forgive you, Wagner. That's (laughs) kind of how I introduce myself a lot of times. And so it gets to the next one. and, And this is worth just... Um, really knowing that's the number one thing that you can do to discipline your child is to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Are you guys hearing this theme? That you don't have a chance if you're not a spirit-filled mom or dad. And so the number one thing that you can do to discipline your child God's way is to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. It's 2 Timothy 4 where it talks about that, but you know, I would just say before you purpose to discipline your child God's way, you should discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And then I would, I would say this to you too, and I'm, I'm, we're, practical is coming. Don't look for the magic formula. Look to be magnificently faithful. And so faithfulness is the key to good parenting. And it's a daily task. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day's got enough trouble of its own. Be faithful in this long day, and it's going to go quickly. Know this. How can I be magnificently faithful? I don't know what to do. You've got to be a student of God's word. You can't know knowledge if you reject the form of knowledge that God's given you. All scripture is inspired by God. It alone is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And so you ought to know God's word. I, I did a lot of things wrong, but my kids will tell you, my dad always didn't tell us what he thought. He took us and said, open your Bible. Okay? Go find out. I'll I'll give you the chapter. You read it until you tell me something in that chapter that applies to this situation that you're in. And everybody go, there it is. Have I ever told you that before? Yeah, you did, Dad. Okay, it's there. You got to decide. But listen, there's consequence now, but there's the answer. And so uh, know that's where you get it. You want to know, how can can I keep from disciplining wrong? Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. And so if you don't learn God's word and God's will and God's way, then um, it's going to cost your kids. And I'll, just, I'll give you a bunch of verses. A parent who does not love their child is a parent. A parent who does not love their child is a parent that does not discipline him diligently, is how I'd say it. And so just watch these verses, okay? You, these will all be emailed to you. 
Proverbs 13, 24. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Train up a child in the way he should go. Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him uh, that turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't even put in there uh, the, the verse in Proverbs 23 that says that you hate your child if you don't discipline him. And you will send his soul to Sheol, which is the resting place of the dead. So um, I, I, I'll give you just a couple of more things, and we want to move quickly to Q&A. But um, what I would say is the, discipline to, to, the key to discipline are these three things. It's consistency. If kids see you only do it when you're in public or when other people are over, they'll realize, oh, I get the drill. This is just kind of performance-based deal to make you look good. And so you got to be as on point when you're at home and no one's around as you do when the mother-in-law is there, the small group is there, or the grocery store is watching. Okay? Consistency, kindness, and I'm going to walk you through that one. And then I just, just to put up an alliteration, okay, and, and, and not counting. <laughs> and what do I mean by that? Consistency, kindness, and not counting. Don't be one of those, hey, put that down. Did you hear me put that? I'm going to count to three. Put that down. One. Put that down. Did you hear me? Two. Put that down. One. Two. Three. Thank you. Thank you. That is terrible parenting. All right? And, uh, and so, okay. And so, so just consistency, kindness, and not counting. And so what I would tell you is that, that a kid learns, because we define obedience. I haven't asked Kirby this in, uh, you're, you're 19 or 20? Uh, yeah, you're 20 in a week, all right? So uh, actually, yeah, eight days, wow, uh, 2-0. So uh, 19, Kirby, we defined obedience in the Wagner home a very specific way. Do you remember what it was? All right, obedience is doing it right away. All the way, all the time? Yeah, with a... There it is. Okay, so in a Wagner home, this is what it meant to listen. You do it right away, all the way, all the time, with a happy heart. It's disobedient to do it with, you know, like, uh, you know, put that in the sink. I put it in the sink. Okay. Technically, yes, you fulfilled the task, but that's a discipline problem. It was done right away. It was done all the way. Every time I asked, but it was not done with a happy heart. And so we just go, okay, let's talk about that right now. There's going to be a consequence to that. All right? Uh, So let me just talk about the kindness and whatnot. So one of the things that we did, especially when kids were little, in the way that we disciplined them, and I think uh, we're going to start to go to the Q&A in just a moment because we're going to give you some of that practical stuff, specifically with physical discipline. Whenever I discipline my children physically, and did it right. Uh, I would walk them through. Okay, come here. I'd get them away from other people. It would be done in private. It would be done with self-control. It would be done promptly. It would be done with an object that didn't cause lasting harm. 
It was, uh, it was memorable. <laughs> in other words, there were times that my kids used to love when mom would try and execute that because they would laugh. It wasn't memorable. Okay, it wasn't Adrian Peterson. Okay, but it, it's got to be memorable. And it's got to be accompanied with verbal affirmation, physical love, and prayer. And I'm going to tell you, there are times I discipline my kids, and I said, okay, here we go. This is what's going to happen. Do you know why it's going to happen? Do you know that, that I love you? Do you know why I'm going to do this? And they would say, because you love me. That's right, that's why I'm doing this. And then I would have them put their hands on the wall. I would have them look at the wall. And then I would make it memorable. And they would see I'm not elevated, I'm not angry. And then after I was done, I would have them turn around. Kirby, you want to jump in what I would do? Thank you, Dad. (laughs) For for allowing me the opportunity to learn from my mistakes, for loving me. Please forgive me for the way I behaved. Thank you for the spanking. I'll go to my room. (laughs) And then I'd hug them. I'd lo- I'd say, I love you, and I would pray. Okay? And so when you do it that way, it, it, it's a completely different experience. Would you come here? Don't do that! Okay, that's memorable, and it's a complete abject failure. I think one of the reasons the scripture talks about a rod is because, you know, hopefully you're not coming up clink where you're walking around with a little thing here always like you know you're not a jockey you can whip the horse you, you got to go get it and by hopefully that going getting it you're doing what the social therapist would say count to 10 all right and, and what you know and, you know you don't you don't want to some people would go well god didn't want your kids to associate that, you know that with your hand look your hand i think is fine as long as your hand is attached to love but i would recommend we we got a little soft uh, a leather whipping stick that was wide that, that would, it could leave a little bit of red mark but wasn't going to hurt anybody that stung. Okay, my, you know, uh, it can be a belt if you don't, you know, but you're not looking to do pain. You're, I mean, you know, leave a scar. You're just saying, listen, in this moment, this is going to be memorable, but I'm, you're going to see when I do this, it's going to be controlled, it's going to be loving, and you're going to know that I'm doing it. And so we, we talk about it. Okay, now as kids get older, the forms of that change. I mean, you know, primarily one to five is a lot of corporal punishment. Uh, Six to ten? Well, Well, I was going to say, even even when they're young, our kids, um, the way we discipline them, we individualized it for each child because um, Kirby was really one who um, didn't respond well to spanking. She kind of counted the cost, and she was like, Bring me, bring it on. Give me another one that didn't bother me. Um, so, for her, we would send her. I'm sorry, um, we couldn't send her to her room because that was something she loved to do. She'd read she, Encyclopedia Britannica for four hours. And she and, come down and mock us. Yeah, and so, um, um, Allie, with Allie, all we had to do was, um, let's see, she was a rule follower. Mm-hmm. She was really a rule follower, but she was also a grumbler. And um, so that kind of discipline, um, corporal punishment, worked with her. 
Um, but the best thing that, was, that worked with Allie was that when we put her in her room, she hated to be away from the family. And so we have a two-story house. Well, at least we didn't always. We had a small house with um, 1,700 square feet with seven, se- seven of us yeah. living in it. And so you could hear everything. So Allie was, I guess, in third grade. Yeah, grade, so yeah. you could hear everything. So we would put her in her room, and we'd go in the family room, and we would whoop it up with a, like, we were having the best time you have ever, you could ever imagine. Fake and, laugh, go, pass some more ice cream, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and she would just be devastated to miss Is that, that a puppy? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Kidding me? And butterflies <laughs> coming in the window. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then, so Kirby, um, Kirby just chose to face the punishment and just bring it on. So there was even an instance where we were having trouble when Kirby was little and, um, she kept getting out of bed and we were battling that. And so one night we just decided, okay, Kirby, come back, come, come back in here and we want you to sit in this family room with us, but we want you against this wall and with your back straight up good posture against the wall, and we made her sit there for I don't know how long. I mean, we were willing to wait it out as long well, as it and took. And she got tired. We go, no, 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 no. She, she kept kind of trying to Woo, do hey, some hey, of that. Hey, sit up over there. Yeah, and so we, kept, we stayed on her. Well, she learned I'm quickly. tired. No, you're not because you keep getting out of bed. I want to go to, no, you don't. <laughs> and so, you know, we were just creative in, in the ways that we disciplined them through their little years. Um, so that was one with curbs. Um, let's see who else Landry with her. If you just changed your tone of voice that between her and the dog, if your tone elevated, they both would slink away and, and, and try to just make everything right. That right with our dog did that too. He would just like slink away. You knew things were bad. Um, Cade, he would, he would take whatever you were willing to give him punishment wise. And he would say, keep coming with it. It's not hard enough. It's not bad enough. Um, he was the picture in the, you know, with the diaper on his head. He was just a tough little guy. Um, yeah, I'd say that he got more spankings than all of the five kids combined. combined right. Yeah. So, um, one of the examples of, of Cade was, um, was visiting with, um, Becky, our good friend who stayed with our kids a lot. Probably one of the reasons our marriage is so good because we had time away from our kids together to... to um, every week. Yeah, every week. We, we went on a date night every Thursday. Our kids just knew we were, we were out. That was with mom. When so, I get home, it wouldn't be just like I'd run to the kids. One of the things we did with our kids is we disciplined them. I'd say hi to them. I'd greet them. And then I would take 10 minutes with just mom. And then I would get back to the kids. And... and, and uh, and, and then, but Becky was over one night. Yeah, so Becky was over one night, and Cade decided he would take a swing at Becky. And so, um, you know, when, when we got home, we heard all about it. And so Todd went and got um, Cade out of bed, didn't let Becky leave. And, of course, she probably didn't want to tell us, but she knew we would want to know. And so Todd got him out of bed, and um, so we were revisiting this story with Becky, so we made sure we got the details right. And... Um, Todd said, I mean, I'm sorry, Becky said, uh, no, Todd got Kate out of bed and said, um, you need to talk to Becky about what happened tonight. And multiple times he kept not asking for forgiveness. He chose to not own it and not care that she cared. Yeah. And so we, he and I would go in another room. 
I'd look at him and say, you know, I love you. Yeah. Okay. Do you know that when you act this way, there's consequence? Yeah. Turn around. Something so memorable what? happened. <laughs> We'd walk back out. You ready? For what? Come with me. And so we did that four or five times. And each time it got a little bit more memorable. Nothing that was going to be uh, stupid. But he finally realized this is going to get old. And so he came out. And in fact, I said to Becky last night, I go, did he ever apologize? Because I'll go wake his butt up out of bed right now and fix that thing. And so tell, what did Becky say last night? Well, Becky said that she cried all the way home from that night. Yeah. She cried all the way home, and we don't think Kate ever cried. <laughs> but, but he did eventually go as best he could. Miss Becky, will you forgive me? I, I, I shouldn't have done that. And so it wasn't just the punishment then. I mean, he had repercussions for that for some time, but there was that completion in that moment. I woke him up. I don't know how, how old he was at that time, but it wasn't, I mean, he was eight-ish, seven-ish, right? Six-ish. I don't know. What was he? Uh, yeah, I don't remember the age. Yes, Becky. I how old do you think he was? Okay, five. Yeah. So he was just, a, I mean, he's a tough little kid. And, and so I, I just woke him up, which, you know, he's kind of groggy. And I, I said, you awake? Yeah. What happened tonight? Nothing. Yeah, I did. What did you do to Miss Becky? So anyway, all that to say, gang, every kid's different. And what Alex is trying to show you is you don't do the same thing with every child, right? There's discerning mm-hmm. work as parents. So let's do this. Let's shut it down. Let's get real specific with the questions they've got. And then okay. you guys jump back in, fill in whatever you want. But uh, Allison, um, hopefully, guys, I think I, I do want to close with this. And I, I think as she gets ready. And that is that I want to remind you that the world has a board for every behind. Okay? In other words, if your child doesn't learn from you, consequence to their disobedience to righteousness, there's going to be a day that they learn it at the hands of somebody who will not be a benevolent, spirit-filled person. And so if you love your child, you will discipline your child. And you won't discipline your child because you love yourself and you're angry, ever. So here's just some verses. Discipline your child. This is Proverbs 19:18. Discipline your child while there is hope, and do not desire his death. Proverbs 29:1. A, a person who hardens their neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. And, and you're going to see that sometimes your child is just going to go, I've got to learn. And one of the things you can't do is, is enable. I will tell you, that's the biggest mistake I do see parents make, is they fail to take advantage of the awkwardness of the moment. And they rescue their kid because it's their best friend's birthday party. And it's an overnight deal. And it's your good friends. And they go, we planned this night around your child. And we go, you know what? I know. But he's going to walk over there. He's going to show up and give your child a gift, look your child in the eye, and say, I have made a choice that's going to hurt you because I can't be here. And I know you planned this around my schedule, but I have done something that keeps me now from getting to enjoy this, and you're the one that's going to suffer. And I see so many parents who, what I would call, kick the can down the road, okay, because they're at Disney World or the grocery store or... Um, a child's party, and they'll go, we'll, we'll get to this later. And the kid goes, okay, I see how this works. When it's really uncomfortable or embarrassing for mom or dad. But I've told my kids, there's lots of times, I mean, I've, had, I've had tickets to games. We bought Allie a cell phone and paid for it for six months before she got it. Well, 
I think we gave it to her, and then we took it away because she had a respect issue, and she was not. Um, she we really expected our kids to say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, and she knew that that was why we were taking our fo- her phone away from her. And she held out for, I don't think it was six months, I think it was more like three months, but she held out for three months as a uh, maybe eighth or ninth grader. And when, you know, when they think they're, um, you know, they're, they're needing a phone to get into communication. Yeah, we're talking I about a little flip phone, we're not talking about an iPhone here, it's before <laughs> iPhones existed, frankly. But I, 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 you know, anyway, what we're telling you guys is that you cannot choose to not do it because it's hard on you. Because remember the, the principle? Discipline is never for the parent. And the number one mistake I see parents make is that they choose to not do something because it's hard on them. And we've also, I mean, I remember even asking some really close friends, would you invite my child over to spend the night? And we didn't really um, spend the night out much, but I remember asking some really close friends, would you invite my child over so that I would have a, a, um, a nice consequence because they would really want to go do that. And so I would try and create that um, consequence for him. We rigged the deal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Allison, let's uh, redeem some of the time the way you would like to. Thank you, sir. Um, I mean, how about that, y'all? Round of applause, maybe? So good. So good. Um, they referenced several resources that are I already posted on our Facebook page. So that godly woman, godly man traits, all that stuff, since you're writing it down, they're there. Go to our Facebook page today, and you'll find links to a bunch of things. Okay, let's get started. Um, one of the regularly occurring questions is, um, what do you do if one of the spouse, one of the partners, is disciplining in anger in front of the child? How do you intercept that? Do you? How do you handle that situation? Um, well, we've experienced that. Um, and, um, I think one of the things that's worked for us is to talk to one another and just say, Hey, I know you want to be a better mother than this. Not in front of the child. Just like, let's pull this back for a second. I know this is not the mom you want to be or the dad you want to be. Um, and parent, uh, punish disciplining in anger. And so we've had some success by, um, handling it that way. Yeah. Um, but we've also had some like, you know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do right now too, which was sin. And, um, yeah. let me just, let me deal with this. And I mean, it's been, it's been an issue that we've struggled with really at times. Yeah. At times I felt like she was, you know, here, here's the thing. If you, if you take the, the, uh, consistent and the kind, all right. And if you don't have time to talk to your spouse, to work it out like we agree that this is the right way to do it, then you're probably doing it more for you because you don't have time. Even the one that God's given you as a protector in that moment, all right, if, if they don't buy in, then you're probably uh, looking to do something that you shouldn't do if God himself was there. And I've done that, okay? There are also times that our kids, and Alex never interrupted with discipline when I was taking time okay, where she would want to interrupt and jump in. It's when I was kind of coming across a little bit the table and she would go. And even if I wasn't, again, what they knew they could do it. And in many ways, it was like a big brother and little brother, right? Before you ever did anything, it was like, ah, and nothing had happened. And so like, you know how dad comes running in and the little brother's doing that and you go to the big brother, what are you doing? Right? They would do that sometimes um, with, with me. If I was like, hey, they would go, ah, and mom would come running and go, what are you doing? And I'm like, 
I'm not doing anything. This kid is screaming, and I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not mad. But she would go, yes, you are, and then I would get mad, and then I would lose, and I would, it was not good, okay? And so I think what would happen a lot is, is you've got to make sure, and this is where you know that if the spouse's job is to help you be God's man or God's woman, is in that moment, if I, if I don't have the Brian, I am probably doing this for me. Because if you, when you take your time, and you say, we're going to do it this way, and you're going to know that I love you, and I'm not just frustrated, then uh, I think this way you need to help each other. But, but I will tell you, Alex and I have never had a problem with discipline when it hasn't been spontaneous discipline. And spontaneous discipline is the most dangerous kind. Because by spontaneous, what we're saying is, I'm responding in the... And he who sows to the flesh will reap destruction or corruption. And so I'm just going to tell you, that's a, that's a gift, that's a, that's a sign, warning. Something's not happening here the way that it should. Okay? Uh, and so I have told her, yeah, I've said these words, right? And you know what the words I'm going to say, right? You're hiding behind mom's skirt, mom's skirt okay, as they got older. And, and look, it, I would just tell you that was true. It just wasn't good parenting. And so even if I'm right, I'm wrong because the way I'm going about it is not informed with wisdom. And, and it looks like, you know, I've I, I reduced there to name calling and I'm, I'm throwing her under the bus and them under the bus. And what I'm saying is if I was here and ran this house like a man, we'd have men, you know? And, uh, and she wants men too. But I would say, Allison, what you've got to do is that's usually a tell when somebody's not buying in, okay? I'm guessing... Well, it's usually a pretty good sign that mom and dad are working. I'm guessing that Mrs. Peterson wasn't there when Adrian was doing what he did. You know, I don't know. Sometimes both parents are fools, and if your companion's a fool, everybody's going to suffer harm. But for us, you raise your hand. And so Alex and I did talk about that. This is, Todd, what can I do in those moments that doesn't dishonor you and that doesn't enable the children? And so we talked about that, we worked out, we came up with a plan. Well, the other thing we did was... Um We've talked about it with our community as well. Yeah. It's definitely one of the issues that, that we've struggled with in our parenting, and so we have brought it to our community and, and said, hey, the, here's some scenarios. Help us. And, so it was, and by the way, this wasn't really so much. This, this was stuff that happened older than younger, but nonetheless, it's a great question. And I would tell you, it's even more important that you do it when they're younger than when they're older. But it's, it, No, I shouldn't say that. It's always important. Mm-hmm. God gave you a completer, and you need to use it and I would, it, it, you need to know that any time that you are disciplining out of your flesh, it's going to be destructive and not helpful. Absolutely. Um, next question. How do you discern when you need to discipline and when your expectations are too high? The difference there. How do you discern when you uh, need to discipline and when it's just a problem with expectations? Uh, part of that is good communication up front. Okay, it's like in your relationship. You want to communicate what the expectations are. And then I will tell you one of the things we did with our kids. And again, this gets where they may be a little bit older, but use community. You guys have to help each other with um, what's going on in each other's families. And we all know the stuff that you say about that other couple's parenting when you drive away from their house is the stuff you've got to talk about with them. And so what do you expect? What's childishness? What's foolishness? I mean, I don't want Mary Poppins' children who just, when I come, they line up, 
Hello, Father. Welcome home, Father. How was your day at work, Father? Okay, Father. And then upstairs. And, you know, when you see... When, when you see somebody doing something, again, your expectations are usually related to what, how you want people to perceive you. And, uh, and so I would just, you've got to practice self-awareness. You've got to invite in community, okay? And you have to communicate to your children what is acceptable, all right? If your expectations, your kids won't spill drinks, won't stain stuff, won't make mistakes, somebody needs to help you. That's a, that's a, that's a parenting problem, not a kid problem. Okay, And so what I would do is ask, and Kirby knows this, we've told our kids, community isn't just for us. You have access to the members of our community the way we do. I've told Alex, you'll never be disrespecting me if, I, if you feel like I'm being resistant if you call any of these people. And we've told our kids, hey, would it help you if we brought in and let them talk with us about the way we're handling this with you as they got older? But early on, expectations are all about communication. And so a good thing to do is at your table or with your friends, hey, what's fair to expect from a child about a sippy cup when they keep throwing it on the floor, all right? <coughs> so sippy cup throwing off, I'll just deal with that one real quick. What you do is, is you do, kids understand what they're doing, they make it a game, and then <coughs> what they'll typically do is they'll throw it down and they're trying to get your attention. It's okay if they knock it over, but when you see it's a game, you put the sippy cup over there where they can't get to it, and then when they start to throw a fit, you got to put them, and it might, it might mean you need to get off your phone, say goodbye to your girlfriends, but you do this four or five times, that kid will learn, mom doesn't jack around with tantrums. And whenever I do that, and they know, and they are well aware of when you don't want to give up the party, and they will exploit that. And so, so the sippy cup, first they lose it, and they don't get the drink, or you put a drink that they don't really, you know, if you're concerned about dehydration, out goes the juice, in comes just the water, Right? I don't want the water. Okay, well, that's where we're at because of your behavior. And I don't want the water. Fine. This is where we're at. We're in the crib. And, uh, and you let them throw their little tantrum in their crib. And they realize they'll cry themselves to sleep. And then when they wake up, you say, hey, listen, there's going to be a consequence. Look, we're not going to do this because of that tantrum you, you did. And so <coughs> consistency and kindness. Uh, real quick, he doesn't mean leave your kid in the crib always till they cry themselves to sleep. <laughs> Just in the moment, <laughs> if it's at nighttime. Um, Kirby, this is for you. Um, do you recall any discipline that you disagreed with at the time, but now you understand and appreciate? For sure. None that really, I mean, when you're little, a lot of the times you don't understand. I think consistency was so important, especially for me, because I was somebody that was willing to take the spankings and so I knew if I ever, I mean, if there was ever a moment, I, I think part of the reason maybe I decided I was willing to take on the punishment is because I knew there wasn't always going to be a spanking waiting for me. It was, uh, I mean, most of the time there was, but I still knew that there was a chance. And so consistency was huge for me. Um, and as for an example of a time that I didn't understand that was the majority of things, because I always just think I know better, um, but I can't think of anything specific. Yeah, I think as you got older, it was stuff like, why, like, Alex mentions sleepovers. We are, we are, uh, our, we can count on one hand the number of times our kids slept over. It's a, just a different day and age, mom and dad. Um, I want to really just say this. We do some training here for our adults in, um, who work in our children's area. It's called Ministry Safe. Okay, we pay for that to be equipping to happen about how you can know what an abuser looks like in, a, in today's day and age. 
Most the abuses don't happen with a stranger in a white van that pulls up and grabs your kid in them. It happens with friends, older brothers, older sisters, older brothers and older sisters of friends, neighbors that you think or people that you think have, have, have earned trust. And so we just took those opportunities away. And we weren't fear mongers. We were wise and discerning. And the only kids our kids spent the night with were people that we were very close friends with that we knew had the same values as we did. And we were uh, pretty insistent about even sleeping in the same bed. What time they did go to bed while parents were still up, parents checking on them. Okay? And so I'm just going to tell you, you cannot equip yourself enough on that area of sexual abuse. And I'm going to just throw in there the, the bathing also. We didn't let our kids take baths with their friends, with their cousins. And it was, there was a lot of resistance at times with other um, family members who wanted, you know, the big bubble bath picture with all the cousins in there. We're talking about like, you know, three, four, five-year-old mm-hmm. bubble bath kind of thing, two, three, four-year-old. We, we, you know, there were times our kids when they were, you know, we had five and seven years. And so the girls would take a bath together when they were, you know, what, five, three, and one. And we'd do some of that. But it was, but what Alex is saying is after a story, but we taught modesty early on. And we talked to our kids about modesty and, 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 and that this was a gift that God gave you. Your body is this and no one touches your body. And if it does, we'd ask questions about that. And we were just on point with that. And so I'll just tell you, we were not big spend the night people. And I am begging you as parents to be overly concerned with the protection of your children, even with their peers. And uh, you just, it's a different world, gang. And my kids did understand why there were certain people and certain things we didn't let them do. And I said, you're going to have to trust me. And I think every one of them to a person, some of those things turned out to be rather spectacular in what they were saved from. And uh, I, I would, and, and we've also, there were some that we go, we, we probably were a little sloppy on that one, you know? And, and Curbs, we've talked about that with you. We go, we were a little sloppy on that one. And so we don't regret anything that we did that made us look like um, overly concerned parents. If anything, we regret times we just kind of, okay. And... I mean, something that I guess might mean something to you guys, there was a lot of times that I probably said it was unfair, that I didn't like him because of the punishment. And now being where I am, I mean, I said it at the beginning, I'm so grateful. And just because I didn't understand or they don't understand doesn't mean that it changes the power or the rightness of what y'all did. And, and I'm saying that. He didn't tell me to say that. And that, that's something I truly, I mean, I'm so grateful for the extremes that they went that seemed extreme to me when I was 10 and wanting to spend the night or yeah and that's what it was a lot of times and so uh and by the way I tell my kids all the time listen I'm not here for you to to like me I'm here to love you I'm not here to do what I want to do I am God's servant I am a steward of you you're God's child not mine here's why I'm doing what I'm doing and I don't expect you to understand and I don't expect you to like me and I know nobody else's parent is doing this but that is because God loves you I don't like God, I don't like you because you're doing it. That's okay. That's part, of the, that's part of the deal. That's why it's called discipline. And none of it for the moment seems <laughs> joyful but sorrowful. But there will be a day. And gang, you either believe in God's word or you don't. And I believed in it, and I'm just telling you, I'm grateful I believed in it. Okay? Before, I want to make sure I say this, and then let's answer the next question. I want to talk about, one of the ways we discipline, though, is with positive discipline. 
All our discipline was not negative discipline. So if we don't get a question on that, I want to talk about things we did intentionally to celebrate. It's next. Good. Go for it. Good job. Um, Alex, we would love to hear, since you were with the kids Mm -hmm. a lot of time, quantity time, what are some other things you did as far as consequences are concerned, other than spanking and even maybe address timeout a little bit? Can you come up with a few other consequences you use? Oh, sure. Well, um, you know, when they're little, it's a, that was what was a little bit fuzzy for me, um, what I did with them. I know I did, um, you know, I had a playpen. I know I used it. Um, I also had a, um, a gate on, uh, like one of those little kid, like one of those little kid gates on a bedroom door. And so the door was still open and they were in there playing, you know, I would put them in there so that they wouldn't get, it was, it was a safe place to be and they could play if they wanted to, but they were put in there. Um, we had some time out, um, as they've gotten older, that's where it's gotten to be pretty fun with the creativity. And, um, I think it's what I did when they were younger too. I think I might've seen Charlotte in here. Um, you know, it's great to use your friends that are in the same life stage or maybe just a hair ahead of you for um, ideas of creative ways to um, discipline your kids. And so um, Millie and, um, and um, Sharla were parenting at the same time I was, and so it was fun to have that. I even have, um, when I pulled out um, that picture of our kids for Todd to put up this morning, the, the one of them all being young, Behind it, surprisingly, was a, a note and that I just left in there. Didn't even remember it was there, but it was 11 years ago. And it said, it's from Millie. And it says, may God love you and keep you and continually, uh, keep you continually in his grace as you daily seek his will for you and your family. And that's what I had. I had friends who left me through the early years. And, uh, you know, when you think it's, so um, you're just exhausted because it's so full-time in every area just to have the encouragement of friends to come beside you. So uh, uh, we did a lot of push-ups, a lot of burpees. uh, We did a lot of running as they got older. And And so that is true. I have said our kids should be the strongest, fastest kids in the neighborhood because they have done so many Things like that. And that's what I, I've loved that particular punishment. To me, that was um, creative, but it was also beneficial. And for somebody like Cade, who um, he's our most tender child, but he's also our, like, can swing the complete opposite way and be a little bit of a hothead. Um, for him to run, jog down to Elena's Park, um, which is what, half a mile there and back? Yeah. Um, so we'd sometimes go, that's three Elena's Parks, you know? He's cooled off by the time he gets back. Uh, what else have we done? Well, oh, uh, one of the things we did was, it, we, because we had six kids and it was always crammed in our car, we had a spot reserved in our car that was kind of the worst spot. <laughs> and, and so if you misbehaved or if you grumbled, you immediately went to the worst spot in the Suburban. And that meant if we were on a road trip and you were grumbling in the car, like we pulled off the side of the highway and like we did the switcheroo. Yeah, I mean, sometimes a guy would make it a mile in the worst spot. It would be like, okay. And the other person like, out of jail free, because that guy was a chump, you know, and so here we go. And, it became, and eventually, you know what happens is it gets funny. Everybody kind of laughs, and, except that one person is like the last guy, right? Like, like Curly, yeah, a victim of circumstance kind of a thing. And, and uh, you know, but so uh, burpees running, 
um, uh, uh, one of the things that we would uh, sometimes do, like we'd be driving in it, like near our house, or we'd stop um, a half a mile from our house to say, "Out, you're gonna walk home." Okay, um, and that that's happened when, when they're two, as they've gotten older. In, in the yeah, this is older. This is older, right? Um, but I mean, there were some times when they were littler too, and we would just creep along beside them as they were, you know, in our car as they were jogging down the street. I think the point is be creative. Yeah, it's and t- and look for things that are gonna get the point across. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right? I think you know a favorite toy or yeah, time away yeah, from all family. that can happen. Yeah. Favorite toy, friends, but I think again sometimes it does help when you just let them experience a loss of something that they want. It doesn't have to be. Again, get the corporal stuff. We focus way too much on the corporal stuff. Consistency and creativity are your friends in discipline. Right. Okay? And, and also celebrating. One of the ways to uh, build in what you're trying to do is reward good behavior and uh, disincentivize bad behavior. But we're not behavior modification specialists. That's what you do to dogs. Behavior modification is a work on humans. God's program is regeneration. And so if you aren't consistently talking about their need for Jesus, this is called sin. This is why you need a Savior. It's in you. You may never run away and live with the pigs, but this is why you need Christ. And a person who loves Christ does these things. And when we don't, we experience consequence. But let me show you that right there. Let me celebrate that. So we would reward behavior. We had a little thing we gave out that had kindness on it. Yeah. I'm just being sensitive to time here because yeah, I know yeah. we had shut down. So, uh, because childcare is about done, but, but we would, we would give rewards. We would, we would give our, we'd print out rewards. We had certificates. We had family meetings where we made a big deal about something. We had celebrations when kids did the right thing. We'd go to, we'd go to 7-Eleven with everybody and three would get the Slurpee. And then sometimes we even told them the answers that, Hey, listen, we'd pull the three aside and go, you're going to get a Slurpee. And we're not telling you what you've got to do with that Slurpee. So if they wanted to be generous and share that Slurpee, it took them like four times to figure out, hey, if I give this to Slurpee, what mom and dad do is they buy me a bigger one. Okay? And so they eventually figured out some of the keys to some of that stuff. And we were rewarding and teaching through all of those things. But we would take everybody somewhere and go, hey, I'm sorry, you're not going to get that. We talked about this. And by the way, I would read them from 1 Peter chapter 2 about how um, if you live under discipline, uh, well, when you're getting the discipline you deserve, it's no credit to you. And so if somebody would be being disciplined and throw a fit, that would be another thing to be disciplined for. And we would talk about that. And so, uh, but we were very creative in celebrating and affirming the things that we wanted. And we always made sure, whether they did what we wanted or didn't we want, that they knew that we loved them. We constantly told them we loved them. And we told them we loved them when they were being punished and when they weren't. We told them we didn't love them because they did good, but we celebrate with them the blessing they get when they choose life. Because God loves them, and that's the way to life. So, and you guys have been extremely patient to listen. Is there one, Allison, you could be mad at yourself if you don't ask? I would like one question, if you can give maybe a one-minute response, if that's possible. Um, Because I think it applies to almost everyone. How do you handle it when your toddler doesn't want to read the Bible or pray with you? Do you discipline that? Do you try again later? Um, How do you kind of handle their disinterest at times? Uh, I'll I'll go. Go. I I just, I have a friend, Ann Silva, some of you may know her. I just know she reads the journey she has with her kids at the table. She has... um, kids who have been disinterested at times and she 
is the most faithful friend I know. She's not just reading the devotional, I mean the, uh, no, no, the, um, the, what the devotional was. She reads the scripture to her kids or has them read it. And so they're still all sitting around the table um, participating. And this has been, they're a little bit older now, but this has been since they were really, really little. She just pressed on. And I love that. Um, we did that. We did that times, like Todd said, we, we read scripture through all kinds of crazy situations with our kids. I'll give, yeah, you, I'll give you 15 seconds. And all I would just say is this, don't ever use the Bible as punishment. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but I would absolutely reward that. I would give my kids, hey, who read the Bible today? On your own. Who remembers what I read to you this morning? I would read it to all of them. And whoever remembered, go, ice cream, let's go. I didn't punish the ones who didn't remember. I rewarded the ones who did. And, and sometimes I go, anybody know, remember what it was on? It was on grace. Right. So what do you get? I get the ice cream. Exactly. And guess what? Because it was grace. Everybody gets the ice cream. That's what grace is. It's a gift. And so I just reinforced it that way. And so I never used the Bible as punishment. Okay. I did, however, have them write down verses. I said, go find 10 verses that apply to this topic Here's the 10 chapters. There's a verse in each of these 10 chapters. And they would go and look. And they would come back with information so they wouldn't make that childish or foolish mistake again. But that was, that was training, not discipline for them. Okay. Okay. I just want to say one thing real quick. I mean, I think we give our kids three legacies, a spiritual, an emotional, and a social. And this image right here, I hope y'all never leave it because that spiritual legacy you don't see until much later. And I was just telling the Sheltons, I said, I've been holding that spiritual baton for my Sally and I've seen glimpses where God gave me a little bit of fruit along the way. But I will tell you when they do grasp that spiritual legacy, I mean, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So I would just tell y'all envision this because this is the goal. I mean, I love Kirby and I love her heart and it's so refreshing to see that, you know, God says um, that there's no greater joy than to hear or see that your children are walking in truth. I know that feeling. I have a 21-year-old, and it's so sweet to see that when you see their heart for the Lord. Um, I'm excited. I am so passionate about discipline. Um, I just want to encourage husbands and wives. If you weren't handed, I always say, you know, we're handed that spiritual legacy, and some of ours is a beaded wedding gown, and some of it is a box of rags. But I just want to tell you, there can always be a fork in the road. If you were not handed a strong spiritual legacy, dads, I love to see you here because a lot of times we can pour into you, mom, your mom, the mamas, but I love to see you men here because we've got to join together with our spouse if we have that in a spouse that loves the Lord as well. But our goal is to hand them a beaded wedding gown and spiritual legacy. Um, so I would just encourage you. My heart is for discipline. I've been with this ministry when it was me and eight moms in the playroom downstairs. So this to me is joy to my heart to see all you moms and dads here.